Amen. Thank you to the choir, worship team. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. The book of Genesis, chapter 12. Last week, we began a series looking through the life of Abraham. We've entitled it Following God. And we're in chapter 12 again because there's just so much in this chapter to draw from, to learn from. So we're going to focus a little bit more on uh, chapter 12 today. And so let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to lead us, to guide us, to give us fresh revelation into our text as well as fresh revelation into our lives today. So let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we offer you this time today. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come in us your will will be done. Open our eyes, our hearts, our ears, and fill us, Lord, with your grace. Lord, transform us as we think about this text, as it means what it means to follow you as Abraham did. Lead us in the way that we should go. We offer this time to us in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If there's one word to describe what life is, you could argue that that word would be journey. All of us in this room are on a journey. And although our journey might look different from person to person, the themes of our journey are the same. There are good parts of our journey, and there are bad parts of our journey. There are clear parts of our journey and confusing parts of our journey. There are joyful parts of our journey and painful parts of our journey. This is why, parenthetically speaking, we should never judge a person because you never know where they're at on the journey. We often wish that our journeys were just straight and simple. We wish our journeys were just straightforward, clear as day. We know where we're going. We know how to get there. We know what's down the road. But more often than not, our journeys are not like this road. Our journeys are often more twisted and complicated and confused. Should I go this way or should I go that way? Should I go this way or should I go that way? And even if our journeys are not just twisted and confused and complicated, more often than not, our journeys and our role tend to be dark. We don't know exactly what's ahead. We don't exactly, we don't know exactly what's around the bend. And this is the story of Abraham. Abraham's life is a faith journey. And as the journey gets started, Abraham's life looks more like this road here. He doesn't know exactly where he's going. And so as the journey begins, God gives him some words that are to sustain Abraham over the course of his journey. And when you look at the 14 chapters or so that are, comprise Abraham's life in the book of Genesis, there are a couple of words that come, we come back to over and over and over again. And it's not just these words, three words that I'm going to share with you today that characterize Abraham's life. These three words characterize our lives as well. And we see what these three words are in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Before we highlight these three words that characterize Abraham's life and characterize our lives, it's important to know that Abraham did not know the magnitude of this call. Abraham would be known as the father of our faith. Abraham would be known as the father of many nations. And through his life, God would ultimately uh, begin his salvation project that would be consummated in the coming, in the life, in the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so you might not know what God is doing in the moment, but when you choose to follow God, when you choose the way of obedience, your obedience has a way of blessing others. When you look at Abraham's life, or Abram in this text here, there are three words that I want you to consider that characterize his journey and characterize our journeys as well. And as we think about our lives, it's important to hold these three words together because these three words we will come back to over the course of our lives. The first word that God tells Abraham essentially is the word leave. The word leave. Abram's call is really leaving, and it's really about leaving three things in particular. He's called to leave familiarity. He's called to leave security. And he's called to leave the source of his identity. Familiarity, security, and the source of his identity. And we see this in the specific places that Abraham had to leave. When God calls him, he says, Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And these three areas are really comprised what it is for Abraham to live with familiarity, security, and the source of his identity. God first says, Abraham, you are to leave your country. Now, Abraham was from the land of Ur, and according to scholars, Ur was a flourishing place by the seaside. Luxuriant apples and grapes and pomegranates, and, and, but more than just the good produce in the land, it's the place of familiarity for Abraham. Abraham knew where to find the best slice of pizza in Ur. He knew where the best bookstore was in Ur. He knew if you wanted to get a quiet spot, he knew exactly where to go in Ur. He knew the neighborhood like the back of his hand, but God called him to leave that which was familiar. Then God says, Abraham, I want you to leave your people, your way of life. This is not just geography now. This is values. This is the assumption about how the world works. This is their worldview. Abraham, I want you to leave your people. And then he says, I want you to leave your father's household. The place, the epicenter essentially of Abraham's identity, the epicenter of security, the epicenter of familiarity. And he says, I want you to leave. Now, when we look at Abraham's life, his story is a picture of our story because God consistently calls us to leave the places of familiarity, the places of security, the places of identity. And this is not an easy thing, but this is our reality that from the time we are born to the time that we die, we will have to leave. At some point in our lives, consistently from the time we are born to the time that we leave, die, we will have to leave. And the interesting reality of it is sometimes we choose to leave and sometimes it's chosen for us. Throughout the course of our lives, we have to leave. Babies have to leave. 
For nine months, a baby grows and develops, enjoying the warmth of uh, his or her mother's womb, the care, the nurture, the nutrition. And then one day, these babies get an eviction notice. (laughs) And they have to enter into a foreign world. No wonder we're screaming. We just left the place of familiarity. We just left the place of security. We just left the place of our identity. Children, babies have to leave. Young kids have to leave. At four years old and five years old, children have to leave their routine of just playing with their cars and their toys, and they have to enter into the world of kindergarten. It's no longer just cars and toys. Now you got homework. And they have to leave their place of security, their place of familiarity, their place of identity. Teenagers have to leave. Some of you parents are saying, amen, get that kid out of here. Teenagers have to leave. They leave their household to go to college. And they leave the place of familiarity, the place of security, the place of their identity. College students have to leave. Leaving into what we call the real world, which is made up of bills and student loans. And now you got to be responsible. Responsible. You have to leave the place of familiarity, the place of security, the place of our identity. There's a, there's a leaving of someone who is single, leaving into the world of being married, leaving familiarity, security, that place of identity. There's the leaving of having a life with no children to having a life with children. The leaving of going from one job to the next job, from one job to no job, from one job to retirement. The leaving of going from one home into another. The leaving of immigration, that there's a place of familiarity in your own land, and now you have to leave the place of familiarity, the place of security, the place of your identity, and try to make yourself at home in a new land. And then ultimately, there's the leaving that we all experience, that one day we will die. And we will leave what is familiar to us. We will leave what is, has become our security. We will leave what has become our sense of identity into another world, entrusting ourselves into God's care, entrusting ourselves into God's embrace. All of us have to leave. But the leaving that I'm concerned with this afternoon is not just leaving geographically speaking, not just leaving in terms of the phases that we have from one age to the next, the kind of leaving I'm talking about is specifically about those areas of our lives that we find familiarity, security, and our source of identity. And so these three areas that God tells Abraham to leave are essentially the three areas God calls us to leave as well. God invites us, calls us to leave the familiarity, the security, and the identity of our country of our culture, of our families. Let me explain. God's word to us out of this passage, first of all, is that we would leave our country and culture. Leave our country and culture. And by when I say leave our country and culture, I'm talking about the the shadow side, the the things that are inconsistent with the kingdom of God. God wants us to leave. Now, our church is comprised of people from 75 nations. But when I say we are to leave our country and the culture of our country, I'm talking specifically in this message about the United States. On the one hand, it's a blessing to be part of this country. There are many wonderful things about this country we live in. But for all the wonderful things about this country, 
There are things to be deeply concerned about that we must leave. When Dr. King was alive, he said that there were three evils of American society that essentially we have to leave. He said we must leave this age of materialism. We must leave this culture of militarism. And we must leave this culture of racism. Dr. King saw that in our country and culture, we often base our identities on what we possess, materialism. And what often happens is our possessions tend to possess us. And so as the people of God, we are to leave this country of materialism, leave this culture of materialism. He also said that we are to leave this country this, uh, of militarism. That for many in our country, for many in our culture, there is this in, uncritical agreement we have with war and militarism. That many believe that the way to peace is to arm ourselves at whatever cost. And sadly, there are many Christians who hold on to this. That we say we believe in the Prince of Peace. But don't cross us, because we'll bomb you in a second. And so God's call to us is to leave this culture of militarism, that we believe that the only way to peace is by bombing other people. Amen. All right. And so we'll keep going here. And so, and so we are to leave this culture of materialism, leave this culture of militarism, and leave this culture of racism. And this idea of racism that we, we, we are to leave this way that the world is seen, where, where, we, where we give advantages to some and disadvantages to others based on the color of your skin, based on your economic situation, we are called to leave. If I could add something else, I would say that in addition to materialism and militarism and racism, that the people of God, we are called to consistently leave the, the understanding that our country and culture has of human sexuality. That our culture consistently puts forth a message regarding sexuality that is deeply damaging. Our culture's understanding of human sexuality is often at odds with the sexual ethics of the kingdom of God. Our culture's promotion of objectification of women. Our culture's flippancy towards sexual intimacy outside of the covenant of marriage is deeply troubling. And it is something we must leave. Our country and our culture tells us that before you get married, you must sleep with that person. You need to try it before you buy it. And I assure you, try it before you buy it is not a scripture. It's not in the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> all right, it's not in the Ten Commandments, all right? We tend to have our imaginations, our lives, our behaviors dominated by materialism, dominated by militarism, dominated by racism, dominated by our culture's understanding of human sexuality. And so God's word to Abram is God's word to us. We are to leave these facets of our country and our culture that are radically inconsistent with the kingdom of God. And it is only when we leave our country that we can truly bless our country. It's only when we leave our country that we can truly bless. God said, Abram, leave this land 
And Abram, it's only when you leave this country that ultimately your life is going to go back and bless that country. It's only when we leave the values and the culture of American Christianity or the American way of life that's inconsistent with the kingdom of God that we will truly bless our country. Abraham, leave. Leave. But not only does God tell Abram to leave this country and this, this fallen part of culture, he also says, I want you to leave, Abram, your family. Your family. And to be clear, I'm talking about the value systems of your family. The value systems of your family. Most of us have had a positive legacies handed down to us from one generation to the next. Some positive legacies. Great qualities that have been handed down from grandparents to parents, so on and so forth. And these gifts need to be treasured by us. Wonderful gifts from one generation to the next. But then there are areas in our families that are totally opposed to life in the kingdom of God. And it is those areas from our families that we are called to leave. Each one of our families, each and every single one of our families has secrets. Each and every one of us, our families, we have sins. Each and every one of us, we have our dark sides. It is those secrets, those sins, the dark side of our families that God consistently says, you must leave. And we all have them. God tells Abram, don't just leave your country. Just don't leave the fallen parts of your culture. You are to leave the fallen way of your family. And what God wants Abraham to do is God says, Abram, the reason I'm calling you to leave is because I want you to leave that which has identified you for years. For decades, Abram has had an identity. And it's not that his identity is a bad thing necessarily. There's some good things about it by country and culture and family. But God said, Abram, I want you to take on a new identity. This is why later on he would give Abraham a new name from Abram to Abraham, essentially saying, I want for you to follow me is to essentially get a new identity. Abraham, leave the safety of your inherited and constructed identity to the new identity I have for you. Abraham, the primary orientation of your life is to receive a new identity. And that new identity basically is this, that you are called by me and you are loved by me. Abraham, you are not what you have or what you don't have. Abraham, you are not what you possess or what you don't possess. Abraham, you are not what you have done or what you have not done. Abraham, you are not what people say about you or people don't say about you. Abraham, you are called by me. Abraham, you are loved by me. And that's God's word to us here as well. That our primary fundamental identity is that we are loved and called by God. We are to leave. Leave. What is God asking you to leave today? What parts of your, this country, parts of our cultures, what parts of our families is God inviting us to leave? I love how the story goes. The first word is leave. I love that God's word to Abraham didn't just end with leave. God has another word for Abraham. The second word that God essentially gives Abraham is Abraham, you're not just called to leave. Abram, you are now called to receive. In his story, leaving leads to receiving. 
Most of us, we want to receive without having to leave. We want to stay how, how things are and then say, Lord, bless me. But you cannot receive until you leave. God tells Abram five times in two verses that he will bless him if he chooses to leave. And when God calls us to leave, he doesn't do it so that we can be miserable. He does it because he has blessing in store for you. He's waiting to bless you. But the way to blessing is contingent on our willingness to order our lives according to God. Blessing does not come on our terms. Blessing comes on God's terms. It's amazing how much we want God to bless us on our terms. I've had many, before getting married, I got plenty of relationships that I knew was not God's will. But I'm, but I'm saying bless it anyway, Lord. Bless it anyway. Sometimes I wasn't even a Christian. I, I just knew it wasn't God's will. She, this, she is crazy. This, I know this is not God's will for me. I'm not even going to church. I'm using that like, this is not God's will for me. And then there are moments that, I, listen, I, I knew it wasn't God's will, but I said, Lord, why don't you bless it anyway? And God says, I refuse to bless your mess. I refuse <laughs> to bless. Your mess. We want blessing on our terms. We want to make decisions without consulting God, and then we want God to bless it. But that's not how it works in Genesis 12. God says, I will bless you, but the blessing is on my terms, not your terms. Amen. And so it's a remarkable promise, but you can't understand the significance of the Genesis 12 promise without understanding what happened in chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. And when the writer of Genesis writes these two chapters back to back, he's intentionally putting these things together. I want you to see a remarkable, remarkable contrast. In Genesis 12, God says, I will bless you five times. I, he says, I will, I will. Listen, I, to the land, I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. The promise of blessing is on God's terms. God takes responsibility to make good on his promise by saying, I will. When you contrast that with Genesis 11, we see something remarkable come to the surface. Watch the contrast. In Genesis 11, this is the Tower of Babel. Listen to the story. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found the plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. I want you to see the contrast. In Genesis 11, it's about them finding blessing on their own terms. In Genesis 12, it's about Abraham being blessed on God's terms. Watch the contrast. In Genesis 11, it says, they said to each other. Genesis 12 says, God said to Abram. In Genesis 11, it says, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. In other words, it's about our efforts. What we do, we have to do it. Genesis 12, God says, I will make you. Genesis 11, it says, come, let us build ourselves a city. Genesis 12 says, I will make you into a great nation. 
Genesis 11 says, let's make a name for ourselves. Genesis 12 says, I will make your name great. The story of Genesis 11 and Genesis 12 is our lives. We will either choose to be blessed on our own terms, and to be choose to be blessed on our own terms leads to what happened in Babel. It leads to our destruction. But to be blessed on God's terms leads to incredible blessing from one generation to the next. The question is, are we Genesis 11 people or Genesis 12 people? Are we make ourselves the city people or God will make us great people? Is it we will or God will? Which one is it? And God invites us to submit ourselves to receive. And the opposite of receiving is manipulation and control. Genesis 11, manipulation and control. Genesis 12, essentially God says, if you follow me, I will bless you. I will bless you. And so Abraham has to leave. Abraham has to receive blessing on God's terms, not his terms. And then the third word. It's not just leave. It's not just receive. Really, time and time again, Abraham has to come back to this third word. It's very simply believe. The Bible said, so Abram went. He's the father of our faith. And to believe, what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to believe? To believe is to, to trust in the mysterious ways of God. It means, what does it mean to believe? It means surrendering our limited perspective to God. Abraham didn't just have to leave country and people and family, he had to let go of control, to trust in the mysterious ways of God. This is why I love Thomas Merton. Thomas Merton, he talked about what it means to journey with God and surrendering our own limited perspectives. That all of us in this room, we think we know what's right. I know what's to happen here. And yet we are to submit and surrender our limited understanding to the mysterious ways of God. Thomas Merton said it this way. We, we, what we think is right now ends up being wrong. What we think is most helpful ends up damaging. We think something is a blessing when really it's a setback. We think something is a disappointment and disaster when it's really a gift. So often what looks great or seems like a blessing is not. What looks terrible in the short run is really a rich gift in the long run. To believe God means that we surrender our limited perspective to him and his love and his grace. And so for Abraham, he had to, to believe it was a multi-layered belief. He had to believe God for the outcome, for the process, and for the timing. God said, I will make you into a great nation. He had to trust that God was going to do good on his word. But God, how am I? I'm old and we're barren. He had to surrender the how to God. I don't know how it's going to happen. I have to sur- we think we know how. God, we have to surrender the how to God. And then he had to surrender the timing to God. And often, this is where the rubber meets the road. Because when it comes to our lives, we, we want to control the outcome, the process, and the timing. 
And God tells Abraham to follow me means you're letting go of outcome. You're letting go of process. You're letting go of timing. And you're trusting in my mysterious ways of love. What I love about Abraham is his life is about believing. He's known as the father of our faith. He's justified because of faith, because of belief. And I love how Paul writes about his belief, but at the same time, it troubles me. In Romans 4, Paul talks about how Abraham believed. And this is what Paul, the apostle Paul, writes about Abraham. He says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger And in this, he brought glory to God. I've been meditating on this, and I have two questions. Number one, my first question is for Paul. Paul wrote this. My first question is, Paul, did you really read the book of Genesis? (laughs) Paul, did you read the book of Genesis? Paul says Abraham never wavered. Now, if if you read the book of Genesis, you'll see that time And time again, Abraham wavered. Okay, so either Paul, I don't think, Paul, did you read it? That's my first question. Time and time again, he manipulated. Time and time again, he doubted. Time and time again, he made a bad decision. Either Paul did not read the book of Genesis, or the way that God views belief, is different than the way we view belief. Amen. (laughs) I did not pay him to do that at that moment. That's that's the Holy Ghost moving in our midst right here. Either, Either Paul didn't read Genesis, or the way that God defines belief is different than the way we define belief. We define belief as never doubting. We define faith as just certain. We define faith as not being double-minded. But maybe God sees faith differently. Maybe to never waver in believing God's promise doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. Maybe it doesn't mean that we don't doubt. Maybe it means that although we do make mistakes, and do doubt from time to time. Maybe it means that in those moments, we still come back to God. Abraham consistently doubted, consistently manipulated, consistently did his own thing. But what made Abraham a man of faith is he saw his mistakes and he came right back to God. And that's what it means to have unwavering faith. That no matter your mistakes, your your doubts, your, your troubles, you keep Coming back to God. This is what it means to believe. Not that you don't have a bad day. We all have a bad day. We all doubt. We all want to run away from God. But what made Abraham a man of God and a man of faith is he resisted the temptation to leave without God and keep coming back to him. He never wavered in believing God's promise. The way that God defines belief and faith is much different than the way we define belief and faith. And so Abraham is a man of 
of faith and belief because he entrusted his life to God over and over and over and over and over again. And he believed that although he made mistakes, that God was there without, saying, my promise is still sure for you, Abraham. My love is still there for you, Abraham. And whenever Abraham came back to God, God was waiting for him to catch him with his grace and with his love. God embraces us when we turn to him. One of my favorite stories is told by Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite authors on spirituality. And Henry Nouwen would talk about how he used to go to the circus to learn lessons on spirituality. He'd go look at the acrobats and see what he can learn about faith. And one day he engaged in a conversation with a flying trapeze artist. And Nouwen asked how they were so successful in performing their dangerous feats. And so the guy responded, as a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public might think that I'm the greatest star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe, my catcher. He has to be there for me with split-second precision and grab me out of the air as I come to him in the long jump. And so now one said, how does it work? The man said, the secret is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I simply have to stretch out my arms and hands and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron behind the catch bar. Now one said, you do nothing. He said, nothing. A flyer must fly and the catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. There is no better catcher than God. No better catcher than Jesus Christ. As we leave, some of you right now, you left and you're wondering, where is this thing going? And there's no net under you. And you're thinking, I don't want to let, many of us would rather just swing on that thing forever. Some, you just got to let go at some, it's not a good show if you just keep holding on. To, and this is our lives. Most of us, I just like this here, boom. And boom. And boom. At some point, you got to let go and trust with outstretched arms that God is the best catcher there is. And that he will take you in with love and grace and mercy, and forgiveness. He says, the flyer does nothing. The catcher does everything. And this is what life is like in faith. From time to time, we will mess up time and time again. But as we stretch out our hands to God, he knows how to catch us. Believe. That's the essence of believing. Trusting that God Catch me. Amen. Amen. Let's have the worship team come forward. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. The reality is, is that those three words are our words. Not just Abraham's words, they're our words. We are to leave 
We are called to receive. We are called to believe. The reality is some of you are stuck. Some of you, God is inviting today to leave the way of your culture, the way, the fallen ways of your culture, the fallen ways of your country and our country, the fallen ways of our family to leave. God invites us to open-handed trust, not manipulation and control. He said, Abraham, this is not based on your doing, it's based on my doing. And so would you believe? Would you come back to me over and over again? Where's God calling you to leave? How's God calling you to receive? How does God want to strengthen you to believe today? Lord Jesus, we confess that on the journey, life gets hard. We don't know exactly where we're going. We don't know exactly what's next. And yet you call us to follow you even in the darkness, even through twists and turns, to live open-handed and not close-fisted, to live without manipulation, to live with trust, to follow you in the way that you call us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come, breathe on us, fill us with grace and your power. And as we follow Abraham as he followed you, may our obedience to you lead to the blessing of the world around us. We sing to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, let's all stand, let's sing together. Amen. This is why... Abraham would come back to God over and over again because God's love never fails. God's love never fails. I want to invite the prayer team to come to my left. We have the Lord's table to my right. And we are invited to follow Jesus is to live a life of obedience. Life of obedience. That word obedience in Latin really means to listen. That's what Nouwen was always consistent about saying. Obedience is about the, the literal language to listen. We orient our lives to listening to God. Obedience. And for some of you today, God has spoke very clearly to you of where you need to leave. Spoken very clearly about living open-handed and not in manipulation. To come back to God consistently even when you mess up. This is what belief is. Not that you never doubt, but you keep coming back to God. So we have our prayer team here. It's a one way of us coming back to God, of us with our bodies, with our hearts, with our minds, coming forward and saying, Lord, I'm coming back to you. Whether for the first time, because you want to come to Christ and enter into a relationship with Jesus, or for the thousandth time, because you realize I have strayed again, Lord, but I'm coming back. And so the prayer team is here, and the Lord's table is here as well, where we take bread and we dip it in the cup. And we think about Abraham's obedience to God, and we think about our Lord Jesus Christ's obedience to God. And the Lord's table is really a table of obedience. Where Jesus comes, and he, he's broken for us and bruised for us. He's obedient to the Father. And his obedience leads to the blessing of the world, 
the blessing of all of creation through Jesus' obedience. When we come to the Lord's table, we're coming with a heart of obedience. Lord, in the way of Abraham, in the way of Jesus, may I follow you, may I listen, may I leave, may I receive, may I believe. That's the invitation as we come to the table or come to prayer. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We have our newcomers lunch right after this, right up those stairs. I look forward to meeting all you newcomers here and sharing with you. But with your hands in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving, receiving, and believing. And may your obedience this week lead to the blessing of not just your life, but the lives of all you encounter this week, in the weeks, in the months, in the years to come. I bless you on the strong and the beautiful in the resurrected name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.